This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. The financial crisis continues on Wall Street and stocks are in turmoil. We ask Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel about the key factors driving today's market and what's ahead. Welcome, Professor Siegel. Happy to be here. Well, the markets are just crazy. A few days ago, they're down 500 points, the biggest drop since 2001. And yesterday, they're up 140 points, though the Fed decides not to cut interest rates. Why is it the stock market can't decide which way to go? Well, yesterday, it was much more important uh, that AIG get solved than whether the Fed cuts 50 basis points. Uh, and that's basically why it did actually fall in, in, in during the day about 100 points when they didn't uh, uh, lower it. But then when the, the rumors of the deal coming through on AIG, it rallied about 200 and 250. It, it's more important to salvage the liquidity of the financial system. Uh, but it, the news is fast and furious, which is the next one to go. What do these balance sheets look like? Uh, I mean, with so much so much news coming in, uh, and it's not surprising we're getting all this volatility. When you look at at uh, market the markets, there is an endless blizzard of statistics. You can look at unemployment numbers, inflation numbers, and on and on and on. What today do you view as as sort of the the, the figures and the data that we should really be focusing on? Well, there's the economic data, and then there's the financial data. I mean, the the economic data indicates a, a mild recession, uh, and in fact, some might not even think of a recession. Uh, certainly, a slowdown, but we we have had much more severe on, on that. The financial data has been unprecedented because what we had is you know, some of the the, the biggest uh, investment banks in the world. Uh, having taken leveraged positions in assets that they believed were safe and sound, and they were not. Uh, We never had a real estate bubble to the extent that we had over the last two or three years, and uh, never did the financial industry go as heavily into that bubble as they did. And and that combination combined with uh, excessive leverage proved toxic. Is your sense that we are closer to the end of this uh, uh, the, this drama or still somewhere in the beginning or we just can't tell? <laughs> As people say, which ending are we in? And then others say, just a minute, uh, we're in a double header. It keeps on going. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, you know, honestly had thought that, uh, uh, you know, uh, last July we had we had seen the uh, the worst of it and probably even with, with Bear Stern. Um the question is uh, which of the uh, which how much of these financial institutions have these bad assets uh on their balance sheet now again the bad assets so far are are still confined by and large to the real estate um uh, what happened uh, with Lehman is not only did they have bad mortgage-backed securities, they actually had real estate. Uh, they were trying to flip real estate. They bought some of it at the peak and thought they could get rid of it. So, you know, in some cases, it was not just the, the mortgage-backed securities. It was a very leveraged position in, in an overblown uh, real estate market. And until you really know to what extent other financial institutions got involved in this, uh, it's hard to know which firms are going to be uh, in in trouble next. Let me say, however, that firms that kept their head and did not get involved uh, in this are are going to do very, very well and are doing very well. And this would be Goldman Sachs, for example. Goldman Sachs was lucky enough to offset 
some of its purchases of the mortgage backs with a short position that offset it and, and it have survived. And there's other banks um, that, that did go into it, but in a much more minimal way, like J.P. Morgan uh, and, and several others. Uh, Wells Fargo increased its dividend. I mean, some few very, and that, that was good, beginning California Bank was very tempting to go into this uh, mortgage-related uh, asset. So I think, again, it's the question to which you bought and leveraged the mortgage-backed securities and the real estate. Um, again, one of the problems is that the, the, the claims are so complicated for these uh, tranches of these mortgage-backed securities that they're all being discounted in the marketplace, even the good ones, even the performing ones. If you call yourself a tranche of a mortgage-backed security, you're going to go at a 20 30% discount even if you're perfectly paying. Now, that'll be, that will be rectified in time. But right now, of course, no one wants to touch these. They, we see the imperfections in, in these, and as a result, uh, we got hundreds of billions of dollars that is probably discounted below its, its true economic value. Now, we always look at the S&P 500 as a, as a chief gauge of the stock market. And the big number is it's down, I think, something like 16% this year. Uh, but when 25% look- actually uh, uh, from the all-time high, which was actually just uh, touched last October. Right. And However, there are a lot of stocks in there. Can you just talk a little about looking inside it? There are different sectors of it. Are, are there certain uh, sectors who are really weighing it down and others that are doing well? Is it If you get a different picture of its health when you look at it oh, in certainly. detail. I mean, certainly the financial sector has, has been uh, the poorest performing by far. Um, and uh, uh, interestingly enough, with the energy energies, which we had been doing extraordinarily well, uh, you, you know, and we're talking talking about how much eight weeks ago uh, July 15th oil hit 147 yesterday it dropped below 90 uh, all commodities have come down actually I was looking at the uh, energy component the S&P 500 it was actually down more than the S&P uh, as of yesterday a little bit of bounce in oil today but uh, uh, yeah there's a there's a big difference healthcare which had been hammered um, uh, a lot on expectations that the Democrats strengthening Congress are going to bang health care has actually uh, started performing relatively well. But uh, all sectors are basically down. There's, you know, uh, energy was bucking the trend. And now with energy down, the, basically all sectors uh, are low. I mean, consumer staples are always a little bit more stable and, and they, they're holding their own a little better. Uh, as I said, health care is now doing a little bit better. Um, but, you know, when you're in a recession, really virtually all firms uh, fail. S&P 500, as you know, is the top firms. It's the top 75 to 85% market value. So there's still the small stock index, which interestingly enough, has been holding up fairly well. It's down on the year, but not down as much. So if, you hold, if you're holding both small stocks uh, and midsize along with the large, you've cushioned yourself a bit from uh, this bear market. Corporate earnings are always essential to stock prices, ultimately. What do you see happening with earnings over the next quarter and the next year or so? Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about uh, the S&P 500 earnings, and, and certainly, you know, they're going to be way down this year, um, but there's only two sectors that are down uh, year to date, and that is, of course, financials, way, way down, and uh, consumer discretionary. Now, the interesting thing about consumer discretionary is they're down because of two companies, Ford and GM, taking huge losses. If you take out those two companies, consumer discretionary is up. Nine of the 10 sectors have higher earnings to date 
in 2008 than they did in 2007. But with the financials being, you know, virtually crushed, I mean, down 70 to 80 percent, you know, overall earnings are going to be down. But one has to be aware of that. There's a lot of distortion now in earnings. And uh, also, by the way, and it's a statistical property, is when when there's greater dispersion, when you have a few firms with a huge losses um, and other firms that are doing all right, uh, those losses get added into the gains and it looks like the P.E. ratio gets really high, but it's only because of, of the statistics of how actually aggregate P.E.s are, are uh, computed. So um, again, it's, it's a mixed message. Stocks are down across the board pretty much, um, but earnings – are really, it's only the automakers and the financials that are really suffering earnings-wise. And what's happened to the P.E. ratio? Yeah, and, and, and as a result, it depends, uh, again, um, P.E. ratios, if you take out the, the financials, which have been discounted a lot, are very reasonable. Um, if you add all the losses of the financials, uh, then you get P.E. ratios that are 18 to 20, and people say, oh, that's not cheap, you know. I mean, you know, 10 is, is cheap. But again, you get this distortion because you're adding, you know, you're adding a few firms over here like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, you know, and, and as AIG, Lehman. I mean, these, these companies have virtually no market value, and they have tens of billions of dollars of losses. And they're going to scoop out the earnings of, of all the good companies that are in the S&P and makes you look like you have, oh, you don't have a lot of aggregate earnings. But when you separate it out, you actually find the P.E. ratio is, is really quite reasonable. It's really 14 or 15 if you do the separation. If you look at Europe, P.E. ratios are 10 to 11. Even Japan, which has for years been, you know, at a way too high P.E. ratio, is down to the 15, 18 range. Uh, emerging markets are now down to reasonable levels. Um, again, and once you take out these distortions, my, and especially in comparison to what interest rates you can get on the outside, outside of you know the, these very risky uh, mortgage backs and, and, and several others, uh, you have, uh, I think, a very attractive comparison of equities versus uh, bonds. Now, you know, to be very honest, I've said that before on knowledge on, on Wharton, and and I I, I think uh, you know I just think it's getting even more stretched. Uh, at the current time, I mean, we're one thing is very important. The there is beginning to be discrimination uh, among the financials. Uh, the big commercial banks are actually up anywhere from thirty to forty to fifty percent from their July fifteenth low. Um, uh, they they've taken their hits. They have access to the Fed. They have access. They're going to grow bigger. I mean, the folding of Merrill and the Bank of America and, and all the – we're going to see the commercial banks getting bigger, and they have access to the Fed. The Fed is going to lend to them at 2%, uh, and um, the spreads are enormous now. So any bank would, that doesn't have this toxic real estate, I think is going to have a field day coming up in the future, and I think some of the smart investors realize that. And that's why you actually see a lot of selective buying that is moving into some of these uh, stronger commercial banks, the, the investment banks that did all this leverage. I mean, clearly, they're the ones that are in, in trouble. Speaking of spreads, uh, yesterday, the, uh, the 
the yield on the London Air Bank offer rate uh, just jumped. And well, tell us what's that all about? Well, uh, uh, again, I mean, there, there's fear of 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 uh, uh, you know, London Interbank is what are banks lending each other to? And if there's going to be a crisis that extends to the banking system, then overnight you're not sure whether you're going to get the money back. So you add what's called a risk premium on top of that. Um, and that shot up the London uh, interbank uh, rate. Um, the, what, what's good is the Federal Reserve, its responsibility in the U.S., is that the interbank rate of, 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 of borrowing uh, is actually much closer to the Fed funds rate, which is the rate that banks lend each other. And the Fed added $50 billion in reserves to keep that Fed funds rate at 2%. I heard that the ECB also tried to pump in some reserves to get to get the rate down on, on that. Um, so the central banks are now going to, to flood in, in there with liquidity. Whenever there's this uncertainty, we saw the spike in July, we saw the spike in March, uh, again, when Bear Stearns went under. We're seeing the spike now with the, with the problems on AIG. Um, actually, interestingly enough, the spread between the, uh, the LIBOR rate and the, the Fed, um, the, um, what's called the IOS, which is the uh, Overnight Interest Rate Swap uh, Rate, uh, OIS, Overnight in, uh, inter, uh, Interest Rate Swap, uh, actually had stabilized for a long period of time before this latest flare-up. So there was actually some hope that they were getting a little bit, getting their hands on on these premiums that will be developed. But this is really what the central bank is for, short-term interest rates and making sure there's enough liquidity in the bank to get those interest rates down. I'm not overly concerned that that's going to cause a major crisis because that's something that the banks, uh, the central banks can, can act on much more directly. Now, we have the uh, government takeover of AIG, uh, essentially a takeover over, overnight. Right. Uh, and on the other hand, the other day, they did not help out with Lehman Brothers. So what's going on here? Are, yeah. they, are they picking and choosing, or they can't decide what to do, or what? Well, um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Actually, the, the interesting comparison is Bear and Lehman. They were more similar. Why did Bear get it? Because it was early on. And um, uh, there was a lot of panic that went right in when Bear was going. Um, um, th- they could also make the argument with Lehman that they had the primary credit uh, uh, borrowing facility in place. It had just been put in place like the weekend before. Bear really didn't have a chance to access it. Lehman had an, uh, a chance to access it. Actually, Lehman could have gotten short-term borrowing if it was losing count- uh, trading. Um, and counterparties. But the problem with Lehman's uh, balance sheet, and this was also true of Bear, although Bear also had a run on the bank, so to speak, uh, was was the problem that they were involved in real estate and direct holding of real estate um, that uh, they bought trying to flip uh, if you really want to know the truth, uh, you know, a, a year and a year ago, and now they're just on their balance sheets. They wrote it down a little bit. Dick Fold said, oh, yeah, we wrote it down. They didn't write it down. They didn't write it down enough. And when people really knew what that stuff was worth and how levered they were on that, they just say, hey, there's no net worth left over Then here. Uh, AIG is just a, another case uh, of too AIG, big to fail. Uh, well, a, AIG is, is much bigger to the markets than Lehman was. AIG was involved in the uh, what's called the default swap market. They were the, a big, strong insurance company that were actually selling uh, insurance against 
uh, the, uh, the the risks that other corporations were. Um, uh, 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 going to default on their debt. So here you do, you, you, you're with an insurance company, all of a sudden you're worried about, just a minute, I, you know, AIG was the strongest one, they may not come up. I mean, think about the, the panic that was. If you're an insurance company, you think it's, it's going to go under, it's not going to pay off. And we're, we're talking about the, the, the credit default market is absolutely huge. Now, maybe it should have been brought under some regulation and not, but we're talking about a trillions of dollars of, of, of credit swaps. Not all, not all that was AIG. But when the Fed took a look at, woo, that market worldwide, they saw systemic risk as being a real problem. I'm not surprised uh, actually, I was predicting yesterday morning that AIG is going to have to be taken under. They could let Lehman go, but AIG is taken over. And, and by the way, when we talk about bailing out, I, I, it's really important to make clear, uh, you know, AIG is selling for, what, a couple bucks. I, I mean, really, the shareholders, all the shareholder equity is being gutted. Uh, the government's going to get anything if anything is left. So, you know, it's not like, oh, boy, you know, we're, we're going, you know, hey, they drill us out. Everything is OK. I mean, really, we're talking about a huge, I mean, this was a $100 billion equity plus company that now has equity of, you know, uh, you know one or two billion, uh, even, you know, even if it survives and it might not even, you know, have that. So, and the government's, you know, taking 80% of the upside. So, you know, in a way, they've, they've gutted it out. It's not a, a free pass to AIG, just in you know, Lehman, clearly that's that's dismantled, um, and, and uh, you know parts of it absorbed by Barclay and elsewhere. Well, you know similar things could happen to AIG and Bear. You know also similar things on Bear. I mean it got bought by uh, you know J.P. Morgan again. Technically it was bailed out, but again all these are in very, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're just being stripped of what, what their earnings assets are. Uh, there's really very little left in terms of the original shareholder equity in the firms. When we've talked over uh, recent months, you've often uh, expressed some concern about high oil prices and high gasoline prices, yeah. how that could affect consumers. And uh, now we're, we're heading toward the holiday season, which is critical to consumer spending. And yet we're seeing uh, oil below $100 and gasoline below $4. Uh, is inflation a worry? Is consumer well, spending likely to pick up or uh, what? Well, it, it, uh, this is the good, uh, the, you know, this is the, the good side of the global slowdown is this uh, bubble in commodities, which I thought was a huge threat, has, has broken. And, and that is a, a huge factor <clears throat> because I did some calculations uh, that suggested that if oil stayed at $135 uh, a barrel, uh, it was going to shave two percentage points off of GDP, and that's huge. Now that's back down to 90, uh, we're going to get back one to one and a half. Now, again, um, you know, this is on top of all the financial market uh, turmoil, but this is, uh, this is a cushion economically that we have. Inflationary expectation, we saw the CPI actually lower. It's going to be lower again probably a year. I really don't think that's a concern anymore, and that's very, very important. Um, the Fed could have moved down on inflation circumstances. They want to save their ammunition in case there's another problem. You know, basically, uh, that's, I think, one reason they wanted to keep a few more bullets in their holster yesterday. And they knew that AIG, they were working out the AIG deal. That's, I mean, Bernanke, uh, that was the major thing. If they feel they have to go down from two to one and a half in an emergency meeting, they don't have to wait until the October meeting. They can do that at any time. So, uh, uh, but this is the, the, this is the good side, the, the, the fact that 
that world uh, energy prices are, are moving to uh, more reasonable levels. Well, what's your bet for the stock market over the rest of this year and 2009? Well, I, I, you know, I think what's important, again, um, is that the, the chaos we see in, in the market is as a result of bad investments that these banks, iBanks and some commercial banks and insurance companies uh, had made uh, in the past. It doesn't reflect that people aren't buying their services. I mean, Merrill, you know, all their brokerage service, investment advice, everything like that. And we think of a firm going bankrupt because no one wants to buy what they have to sell. Here's a question. What really happen? Yeah, they're buying what they sold, but then what they did with all their profits before, and they bought stupid assets, and they've, that's what's causing the problem. Um, so uh, as, I, as, as, I, as I mentioned in, um, uh, you know, Tuesday's uh, op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the financial landscape is changing, but the demand for financial services is, is going to survive. The names are going to change, and, and, they, and, and they made really stupid mistakes. But again, looking forward, financial services are going to be important in, in our world in the next 10 years, uh, even more so in the past, worldwide capital flows and everything. I mean, once we get over these bad past real estate investments, uh, I think the future looks good. And the S&P 500 is going to be up? Uh, well, I don't think it'll be up this year. <laughs> we have a tremendous rally uh, from September uh, to December. Um, uh, uh, you, know, you know, calling a bottom, I, I think right now, um, you know, we are – we're going to be forming a bottom, but no one can predict. And you know, clearly, I thought I thought July fifteenth was the bottom. We we went a little bit below it yesterday. It looks like this morning we are too. But uh, it's searching for a bottom, and with low interest rates and lower energy prices, um, and once people see just a minute, it is not spreading. All we need is a few weeks of of calm to return. Um, and I think that we, we have a, a good, a very good base for, for a rally in the market. I won't make a, an absolute prediction there, but um, yeah, I think long-term values are definitely there. And so the final question, as always, uh, for the small investor, uh, sticking with stocks for the long run, still the strategy yeah, to follow? Yeah, I say sometimes say it's too late to sell. Uh, <laughs> one thing I think is also important is, again, you know, this is a bear market, but not a huge one. Uh, you know, we had a 50% bear market from uh, March of 2000 to October 2002. This is 20 to 25%. Some people think it's getting worse. I don't. Uh, and listen, it's part of the 200-year history of the U.S. stock market. And if you go back 200 years, is, has it been right to sell in, in the bear markets? And the answer, the answer is no. You, you take the pain. You, you hold your position. You will be rewarded in the future. Well, we know one thing, it'll change a lot in the next few weeks, and we'll be back to talk about it again. Thank you very much. Thank you, too. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.